Go. That is how we start episode 127 of the Feminine Critique. I'm Emily. I'm Christine. On this 127th episode of the Feminine Critique, give or take a few because I can't count, uh, we are going to be talking about a movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We are. We are. I forget the. I forget what movie though. Do you? Do you remember? Oh no! This isn't a funny joke. <laughs> so, um, I've already decided, and I should say it now because obviously, so the way we record is typically we record, and then I put the show together by then just like putting, you know, because we record in kind of three chunks usually, uh, or two chunks, and then I put like a song in between to kind of break things up. And I and see, I'm not a big music person, so when I pick the, the music for the show, a lot of times it's my knowledge of Broadway musicals or something really simple like, oh, this movie has the word uh gladiator in it what songs with the word gladiator in there but today i've already decided i'm like oh i'm totally going to do insert songs that have to do about forgetfulness in this episode um at least you have a sense of humor you know so we're we're gonna cover a very sad um beautiful tragic film about a subject that is that is not funny but yet um it's really easy to make jokes out of and this makes me sound like such a horrible person but i just think if we because i have a fear of this i absolutely am terrified of alzheimer's it's like my worst fear it is the worst fear both for myself or for my husband getting it or for anybody i love and anybody i love who i have to take care of getting it um it seems terrifying and upsetting to both the person suffering from it and the people who love them and have to deal with them and handle them and just hey think about that one moment in deep blue sea where saffron burroughs talks about her dad having alzheimer's it's actually a really touching moment in deep blue sea Mm, i do remember that yeah um so therefore the only way to deal with it for me sometimes is humor so please when i have alzheimer's if i have alzheimer's um make all the jokes at me that you can It'll be payback for what I'm doing today. Jesus. Uh, but on that note, Christine, what movie are we going to talk about? Um, it is 2006's uh, Away From Her, mm. right? Yes. That's what it's called? That, that's, cool. I, I think. Let me check my memory. I fucking nailed it. Directed by Sarah Polly. Yes. Adapted from a, I believe, piece of fiction mm-hmm. by Sarah Polly as well. Uh, short, no, the short story is by Alice Monroe. Yeah, but she adapted she it. She adapted it, correct, yes. Mrs. Ms. Pa- Polly. I hope she's a Ms. because uh, I, I have a huge crush on Sarah Polly. I love Sarah mm-hmm. Polly. I, I love her. I, yeah, I, I've loved her since I was a kid, since, like, she was in all those kids' movies, and then as she when she was, like, 18 and she was doing, like, Adam Egan movies and speak, and, like, you'd read an interview with her and you're like, this, she's so smart. She's yeah. so smart and talented and pretty, and I, I want to be her. Um, her. Yeah. And then all of a sudden she's like, oh, also I'm a really good writer and director, so I'm going to yep. direct some of the best movies of the decade. How's that for you? Yeah. <sighs> Boy, not enough credit no. this one gets, I would say. Yeah. Um, so I'm glad you picked it, even though I didn't want to watch it. 
<laughs> I understand. Uh, before we delve deep into something very sad and Canadian, uh, how about we talk about the other movies we've been co- we've uh, been watching? Yeah, let's talk about it let's because it. Uh, I closed my Evernote, but there it is. Yay! All right. So I kind of have uh, a couple, but I'm going to try to go through them quick. Um, <clears throat> so New Year, you know, I've decided. I do know. I believe I said to you, like, I'm going to focus on, like, seeking things out by mm-hmm. people I like mm-hmm. and, and diverse and, and female And less white creators. men. Yeah. Uh, just because I, I'm sick of being told the same stories and I'm sick of getting mad mm-hmm. when I I'm get told you. the same stories. Because it's kind of my fault at this point. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it is not fully your fault when the world makes it very difficult for you to see other things. It's true, but I, so I'm making an effort. I'm, and, um, you know, yeah, doing, I appreciate- a, doing an opposites thing. I appreciate doing- that. I think it's inspiring, yeah. and it's also, in part, why I said let's cover away from her today. So. Which helped me, you know. Um, not off, So not all of these fit that criteria, but I think all of them, um, I, I made an effort. Mm-hmm. And also... Also, I will let me say this about that. Um, I never. I'll talk about it when I talk about the movie. Um, so I started the year off in a way that I think you would approve of, which would be by watching Step Up All In. <gasps> Step Up All In, oh. which is directed directed by a woman. I forgot that. Yes, and so look, look at I did it, everyone. Not only did you watch a female directed movie, you watched a female directed Step Up movie. Yes. Which, so, I mean, that makes you almost, I mean, kind of cooler than Sarah Polly. No, nothing. Mm. But it's, this is good. I like this one a lot. I love this one. This one um, has some really fun dancing. And it's the has, goofiest. It, it has a really good, I think part of the thing that starts to bum me out um, in these movies, not just Step Up, but like dance movies or performance movies in general, and I think we've talked about it, is when people, when when the camera won't stay mm, like, yep. like situated on what's happening and right. there's multiple cuts or I don't I can't see the full body of the performer yes. like what do you not understand what this movie is um, I think Step Up All In does a really good job like placing the camera allowing it to happen it understands that it's filming amazing dancers who are who, is, who, is, who are more talented than anything mm-hmm. and that is a special effect and you don't need anything else yep and that's, that's something Cats doesn't here. understand. The movie Cats is a great example of you have real dancers, you have real choreography, and yet they keep cutting it in a way where you don't actually really feel like you see any dancing. It, so I, this is this is my I think my favorite one, like performance wise. Hmm, so. I can see that. It's, one it's is something easy breezy. Yeah. It's one of the most rewatchable ones, I'd say. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And uh, Brianna Evigan is in it, obviously. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm leaning. Leaning into rewatches, I think we've discussed this before. Mm-hmm. I uh, I have been uh, told that rewatching things is bad and stupid God, by people before. Um, so I kind of like avo- tried to avoid it so I could seem like cool. Oh and God, better. don't why why? But, like no, no. I'm really leaning into it, and you know what? I get a lot of value from rewatches. Totally. Um, there's a couple on here. Um, we watched Ma, which I think. We might have oh. talked about this on Twitter. Um, like- a little bit on Twitter because I, th- it's funny, I, I brought it up a few months ago because I watched it yeah. right after we did Greta. 
And I think it makes a really good companion to Greta because it's still not very good, but I think it does a lot of things better than Greta did. <laughs> I, I agree with you. I, I found it, other than the performances, I found it mostly unremarkable. Mm-hmm. It is weird. It's so weird. Um, it's weird in a way that I wish Greta had been weird. Yep. Um, it's, I, it never, it feels like it never fully commits to the direction of weirdness. Agreed. Yeah. And, um, and like I said, I had read something that said that it was not written, uh, for a, like, for, like as a race thing for a yep. black actress. And, and I feel like that's a, it's right there. So for that to not play in is like confusing. I it guess, it is. Way. And it, I feel like they, they miss a really great opportunity where when, like, this isn't a spoiler, like, you find out, like, yeah, Ma has all this bitterness against the all these kids because they're the kids of the, the teenagers that tormented her as a, as a teenager. And you're like, and they do the flashback, and the flashback is very, un, it's like, oh, she was ugly. It's like, well, mm, no, she was ugly and she was black like that seems like it was the yeah. thing but the movie doesn't seem to want to go there well, and, and as I a guess, result it, it yeah. doesn't feel it, it feels like it, it's holding back i think like, like you said and i get why but like mm-hmm. and look i am not the person to talk to about about race relations same yeah like, who the fuck am i i am a white woman but the thing is it's like when you say oh i don't see color well, you're being disingenuous, <laughs> and you actually should, because because yeah, only it, white it, people it, say that because we exactly. don't have to. It plays in when when you don't see color, then you're ignoring. Right. It's the the things. Stephen King quote of recent days of I n- I don't think good art should ever have to think about diversity. Yeah, it's really easy to say that when you're a white man. <laughs> I, that made me want to walk into the ocean. I know. I, I've been very picky choosy about how hard I come down on him just because I know he's such a bastion of the horror community. Sure. And he's of a generation and blah, blah. Yeah. People will claim that he is like, he's the guy, he's so supportive, blah. Nah, he's put his foot so far into his mouth on multiple occasions <sighs> yeah. lately. I, Stephen King is, is done. I'm done. Like, I won't pull any punches. He is overblown. He borders on talentless at times. And like saying shit like that like it makes me so fucking it's infuriating mad. yeah how dare you say something mm-hmm. like that so i think back to ma i think that um while maybe it was approached from like a positive way like oh she just happens to be right black. yeah we that doesn't have to, have to be the thing things. yeah yeah we don't have to go in and like change stuff to explain like but you're during the like so i think i did the math and like she was she's probably about a little bit older than me in that movie you're supposed to be as <laughs> oh, far as like yeah when the kids went to high school like when they were originally in high school that's true Grace played a huge part in be- because it's pretty years. clear too in this movie that even though one of the teenagers now is black that when when they do the flashback she i believe is like the only black character as a teenager and so there's i don't know i just feel like there's a lot going on there and yeah it, and it's... at one point, she says to the to the yeah. to the boy uh, uh, that's friends with them, they only let they only let one of us yep. around. Like, there's only room for one of us or something. And I was like, more of that, more of yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because it, it and it would be one thing if it was a good enough horror movie to not have had to go there. Yeah. 
but it's not. Like, it's it's really ultimately not that great a movie. If it was just a thriller and scary and suspenseful and all that, then I, maybe I wouldn't have needed, like, the deeper subtext. But, but it's but not. The, character hinge, the characters hinge on... Very much. Other... St- yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, it, no, you're right. It would be like if you made Misery and you made Annie Wilkes hot, in a sense... Like, this whole, like, no, 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 this is a big part of that character and why this character has this this very powerful anger and insecurity. And if you change that, everything changes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You get it. I do. But I I, I didn't dislike it. I just felt like it, I didn't understand, I didn't get its point of view Mm -hmm. because I don't know if it had one. Yep. I'd agree. That's it. Um, so I watched The Grudge to prepare to watch The Grudge. Um, I had seen <laughs> Do you have to watch the one. American Grudge or the Japanese Grudge? Well, I, I had seen the Japanese one, like, many moons ago. Okay. Um, it's not, it's not like, I'm not saying this in a, in a mean way. It's not super high concept. So I remember what The Grudge is about. Sure. But I had never seen the, the American one, like the Sarah Michelle Gellar mm-hmm. one. I so, think I liked it, but I saw it probably, what, 12 years ago? I mean... It's it's it feels like I remember when it came out. <laughs> so like, but it, it was like, just like yesterday. But it was like twelve years it, ago. It was a long time ago. Was it longer yes. than that? Yes, it was a long, many, many, many years ago. Oh God, it was sixteen years ago. Yeah, yeah. I remember looking it up and being like, oh boy, <laughs> yeah, um, that hurts. Has, so, I'd never seen it. Um, I'm I'm gonna tell you, I'm glad I watched it before seeing the new one. Um. Because the, it's a direct, the new one's a direct sequel. Okay. Like there, it's it's set in the past. The new one. Okay, interesting. Um, so like if I hadn't watched it, you I think I would have. Not that I would have been confused, but I did get more out of it knowing how the characters kind of interconnected. So the Sarah Michelle Gellar one is fine. Um, it's it's weird, and paced strangely, um, but it's fine. This new one. If I told you that it was good, I'd be lying. <laughs> but if I told you I, it, that it was bad, I wouldn't... That's not accurate either. It's not bad. It's weird. Mm. And it's and I feel like there's some social commentary in there okay. that I wasn't really clear about. Like, every character has either been, like, been touched by death or experienced death very close to them. There's remnants of death everywhere. Like, like the main character's husband just died and then the other guy's mom just died and they still had the hospital bed in that like it just it felt very like present hmm. and it it jumped around from character to character a lot okay which the Sarah Michelle the, yeah one, that one does yeah and, and i think maybe that took away at points i find it fascinating hmm. but i i'd be i'd be hard pressed to like sincerely recommend it to most people okay understood well, when it, it seems like one for when it comes to streaming, I should yeah. I should give it a chance. Apparently, it has an F cinema score <laughs> right now. Yeah, I know it was not beloved by critics either. Wholly undeserved. Mm. Um, we'll get into another one that does that doesn't deserve it. Okay. Um, we watched a movie called the, the, so the Grudge ones don't necessarily fit into my watching. Well, it, it does the, in the way since they're not made by white men, the, which is true, and the the. The main character of the new one is is a woman, and John Cho's in it, which is very important oh, to me. Like him. At, at, at all the time, <laughs> whenever I can. See it's it's Betty Gilpin, isn't it? 
Yes. Okay. No, she's in it, but okay. she's not the she's not the lead. Got it. Um. Anyways, but I felt those worked. This didn't work. This is called the apparition, and this is the last time I will allow myself to stray because it was awful. It is a movie that Sebastian Stan is in. Ooh. His hair is weird. Oh. I didn't like it. Oh. I don't even want to talk about it. It was stupid. Okay. Going back to this. Good to know. You know what? You know what movie I finally watched all the way through? I don't. It's on the Roku channel. If you have a Roku and you, I have a Roku. Roku. I never use the Roku channel, but hey. Well, I'll be re- recommending something for on there. Okay. Um, I watched Contact from start to finish. Oh, I did, I was on the projection booth episode on Contact. I I think it's one of my favorite movies. Ah, Brannon is a big fan of it. It's amazing. I like it. I don't. I don't <laughs> love it. I have a lot of flaw. I have a lot of issues with it, but I also think it does some really neat things. It 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 it's such a movie, mm. and you watch it, and you go like, "Boy, they don't make movies anymore." <laughs> and I don't mean that in like in like the way that people say, like, "Oh, the good old days." It's Back just when, like when we had stars. I don't know. Like there, there's just like actors and famous people on sets and, and talking set right and, and like conversations and yeah and like intellectualism and i'm like ooh, and it's like you can I tell how big budget it is you're not yeah. like watching oh, it looks some amazing tiny yeah yeah like small you know what it is it's not all these movies you get where you're like ah this is filmmaking it's not usually like these big it's not a thoughtful discussion based film yeah and you don't get like big like genre like large scope, but like well-made constructed story. I don't know. I I like it, it a lot. Yeah, I get what you're saying. I had seen the end. I knew how it ended. Yep. It, I remembered it from a joke on South Park. <laughs> I I started watching it halfway once, and I was like, oh, this is pretty good. And I was like, oh, I should probably watch this from the beginning. <laughs> Made more sense all the way through, but I enjoyed it quite a bit. Good. Um, I watched. Knives Out two more times. I'm I can't wait to see this movie. <laughs> damn it! Um, one of them was with the co- with the in theater commentary. Uh, Ryan Johnson did one for Looper, definitely. Oh, maybe for T- for was it for TLJ? I don't know. I don't remember. There was another one, but this so the in theater commentary was a lot of fun, and nice. it, it's fun to hear somebody talk passionately about story and yeah. about like the you know caring so much about the way that this thing is constructed it just seems so great it's a re- it's a really good movie i'm i'm glad it's doing so fucking mm-hmm. well um if if he wants to i'm pretty sure that guarantees they can make a second one like <coughs> i want it so bad <laughs> you might get it it's possible I hope that I get it, but it's very good, and I liked it a lot. So I basically just saw that instead of any time I thought I might have seen a Star Wars. <laughs> um, I rewatched Escape Room. Wait, what, say that again. Rewatched Escape Room. Oh yay! Didn't again doesn't necessarily fall into my into my criteria, but I had an, a very enjoyable time with the first time. It's, it's I liked. just good. Yeah, I enjoyed that movie so much. I wish the opening was different. I, I hate the opening, and sure, the ending isn't great, but damn it, did I like that movie. Yeah, I liked it a lot, too. It's I, I liked it a lot, too. It does a lot of things well. Mm-hmm. Um, went to the theater and saw, like, a boss. That's the Tiffany Haddish. Uh, yeah, okay. What, um, this, this was one that seemed like a January dump, and a lot of people kind yeah. of were referring to it that way, but how, how does it, it hold up? It felt that way. Mm. Um, 
I think I think Rose Byrne is is a, a very good comedic actress. Like I think she's great. She's very funny in it. Tiffany Haddish I think is very funny. Um, it the premise is fine. There's some jokes that just really didn't land. At least in in with me in in the theater I was in. I it wasn't great. It wasn't relevatory. It was fine. Okay. But like I don't know. I I wanted to be like wowed by it and I, sure. I wasn't. Um, watched Salt. I had seen Salt before. Angelina Never seen Jolie. Salt. I saw Salt. Let's see how many times <laughs> we can salt. say it. I saw Salt a long time ago, like when it when it first hit like home video, um, and was really surprised at at how much I liked it. Cause I'm not like a huge Tomb Raider person. Like, and for some reason, I feel like if. Angelina Jolie's doing like action stuff. It's just going to be a version of that. I get it. If you know what I mean, I yeah. don't think that's fair. People like to put like, her that's... in small outfits with guns. Like that's always but, been her thing. But so apparently, this movie, and I'm sure everybody in the universe knows this, except I just realized it. I guess was written for a, a man. Oh, okay. I think I remember hearing this. So it doesn't fall into those those tropes you you would assume expect, you would get yeah. with Neat. like her like. W- like her husband really is, like fridged, nice like, treated treated like like a like a nothing character, right? Like the like, complaint nagging wife, and like I don't know, it's I like it a lot. It's just fun to see like a female led thing that doesn't follow the tropes that you would usually sure. get if you had to watch like the f- oh, but this is the girl version of it, you know? Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> Nice. So I enjoyed that quite a bit, and I'm glad it held up. I was worried. I was like, what if I hate it? <laughs> I watched High Life. High Life. Um, it, Robert Pattinson, um, oh. directed by a woman, Claire Oh, Dennis. this is the Claire Denis, the Denis. in space one, right? I can't say French names. I just, the yes, only reason this... I know her is because I the one fil- actual college film class I took was French film, and Ooh. Ooh, la, la. we watched one or two Claire Denis films, and my professor was Belgian. And she had a very, very thick accent and would always do the Alex Trebek, like the way she, it was just the way she pronounced words because she was Belgian. But I always remember being like, Claire Denis. So I always think of Claire Denis as Claire Denis. Claire Denis. Denis. So I watched this, fits my criteria. How is this? I have heard some people really wow it, wowed by it, wow about it. it. I liked it. I'm glad I watched it. It didn't, I didn't connect to it. Mm, Okay. Or have any real uh, feeling strong feelings about it um it it does some really nice visual things that i think i'll probably think about for a while um robert pattinson look he's amazing yeah anybody that doesn't understand that by now yeah is get not a life attention yep um he's tremendous it's him and a baby a lot which honestly <laughs> I um i liked it it was on amazon prime i think oh is it sweet yeah i think that's how we watched it um, but I did enjoy it, and I'm glad I watched it. Um, nice. Very, it, it's interesting. So that's good for that. Um, I rewatched Looper because I like that movie. That's what you do. I rewatched. Oh, uh, so I eased myself back in, and I watched The Last Jedi with commentary because I wanted to see mm-hmm. some space movie. I'm just not ready yet. I get so it. the commentary distracted me from all the screaming I wanted to do. <laughs> Um, you know, Last Jedi, that was a really, it was a, a powerful, strange way to conclude a franchise, I have to say. It's 
really weird that they only ever made I mean, two movies. They left like, so Jay- much hanging, but I really like it because it just lets me really imagine what else happens. I don't know. Like I it, can really just like yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like, maybe one day. World. Yeah, maybe one day they'll make one. Like, hey, I mean, it took them sixteen years to make a Grudge sequel, so maybe in like twenty thirty six we'll get um, episode nine. Yeah, maybe one day one they'll day. decide to make it. Yeah. Um, oh boy. So I, I the commentary is good. It was it was a good way to watch it. I think. Nice. Um, I feel like you like this movie. Do you the remake? Do you like the remake of the Crazies? Well, he, okay. Um. Oh boy, I didn't expect this. This is a loaded question. So I really like Romero's The Crazies. I know it's very flawed, but I find it very creepy. The remake of The Crazies, I think at first glance, is is good. I think it does some things really good. I like what they do with this Iowa setting. I think there's some really cool things going on. But I actually think that's has a, a lot of really poor filmmaking choices. Mm, the the sense of geography of that film i never know where anybody is in relation to each in relation to each other and it gets mm-hmm. really distracting at times where it's like a character is hiding and she's all worried and she makes a sound and you're like oh my god they're gonna find her and then you're like wait i don't even know where the people are like where is she in a closet is she behind a curtain so i get what you're I, saying yeah, yeah. So, and that that always stuck with me because i know people like rave about it and i kind of like remember thinking i don't know i feel like there's a lot of holes here but what did you mm-hmm. think of it well, this is the second time I had seen it. It's been a long time, um, and I remembered liking it. But then, you know, you get worried. Yeah, like, totally. Will this version of me like it, <laughs> but but I did. I was actually surprised at how competent mm-hmm. it was, and and like how interesting it was. I thought like, oh, this is just going to be a by the books. Like everybody's making stupid decisions. I don't right. understand anybody's motivations, kind of thing. But it it managed to not good good um but yeah that's i think that's on roku channel too if anyone's interested um we went and saw the new bad boys i have bad no relationship to life. any of the bad boys i've never seen a single one aside from I, the sean penn one if you count that i'm not gonna <laughs> well then fuck you <laughs> um i don't think it's in in, in the same universe but I mean, anyways so arguable. Um, i've I watched them with uh, Zach, uh, the first two. I had never seen them. And um, they're to varying degrees of fun. Okay. There's, like, some legitimately funny stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially in the second one. And um, I was kind of excited for this. Okay. Did um, it live up to the excitement? No. Oh. There are p- points in it where it's just, like, bad. Mm. And, like, awkward. But there are also a couple good jokes. And I'm going to say, Martin Lawrence was, was super funny in it. Ah, good for him. And Will Smith might have been the uh, the, uh, the squeaky wheel. What if, I have a theory, what if it's it's like us, where the wrong Will Smith came back from the Gemini Man? I mean, that might explain a lot. Couldn't it? Couldn't it? Mm. The Gemini Man Will Smith didn't have a good sense of humor. Yeah. It, it, I, it, there were a couple interesting things in it, and a couple like hot boys. Okay, stuff. that's a, like. Did it have any bad boys? I mean, I think all the boys are bad. Okay, right? well, I'm just, you know, I just want to make sure we're getting what you're paying for. <laughs> Look, I was not disappointed on that front. There Good. were multiple bad boys. Excellent. 
Uh, oh, I like the movie Grave Encounters. I do too. Uh, hadn't seen it in a while. Mm-hmm. Zach had never seen it. So I was like, let's just throw this on. That's funny. I've been itching to rewatch that, and Brandon has never seen it and wants to watch it. I think One that's on the Roku channel. On the Roku well. channel. Good to know. I've been using the Roku channel as like. Are there commercials on the Roku channel or no? There are spots where it. I have an we have an ad blocker, mm, okay. so I don't know if this has anything to do with it. I could be, just be lying, but it like flickers like it's going to be a commercial, but it it isn't. Okay. But I've been treating it like HBO. Like I, I get just that. go and look. I'm just like, like what's mm, here? Put that on the background. Get it? Ooh, let's watch this. Um, I'm a, I'm a little sad. Grave Encounters didn't play as well as it oh. previously had. It, I get maybe it's because I this is literally the third time I've seen it. Okay, because I was gonna say, is it just that once you know, kind of, because that first big twist is so good. Oh, it is. So I wonder if it's one of those like, ah, eh, well, once you know some of the twists coming and some of the scares coming, if it just doesn't pack the same I, punch. I was still scared. Like I was, I was just absolutely demolished by fear the first time I watched yeah. it. Like I couldn't move. I was so scared. I don't know why. And the second time, I, was, I still found it scary. This time. It was good. I it just the tension, all the tension was gone for me, I and I didn't remember huge parts of it. I didn't remember, hmm. but I still love the gag. I love yes. the gag. It does the fake ghost hunting show perfectly. So well, yeah. so well it's almost not funny. Like, yep. oh, this seems this is too good. I yeah, and I've seen a share because there was a period where all, like a whole lot of found footage films were doing that. Yes. This is by far the best one it, it, i thought it did it so well yeah. but so for that reason obviously it's still like i think it's remarkable mm-hmm. and the 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 filmmaker it's like a dual filmmaking it's, yeah like the vicious brothers or something one of them is continuing to do things that i like ah. so um good a movie i talked about before called it stains the sands red yes i remember you mentioning that one um i so still making movies i like there's good stuff in this nice. so happy i watched it I this does actually fit into my criteria. Finally watched the entirety of Logan Lucky, a movie that I didn't want to watch, but um, I Soderbergh real hit or miss for me. Oh sure, yeah. And when I it's a couldn't miss, remember what that movie was. Oh no, when it's a miss, it's a, it's a miss. So I this is a movie where Adam Driver is very handsome. Well, I that's mean, like, come on, that's like the tagline for it. Not really, but like I know what he looks like in it. I know we've. I think we got like seventeen minutes into it once, and I was like, "Ah, uh-uh, I can't do this. It's not worth it." But then I found out that it was written by Jules Asner. You know, oh, his like, yeah, his partner, right? Yeah. Look, I didn't know that either. I just know <laughs> her as the correspondent for E. So it's written by a woman. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, well maybe this is gonna be. Maybe this is. I didn't like it. Okay. It's not. Zach hated it. I didn't hate it, and I don't think it's bad. It's just like I know what's for me and what's not. Mm-hmm, and sure. Just it didn't work not for me. I get it. Um, but like this is on Amazon Prime, I think. So if yeah, anybody's I, interested, I mean, he didn't sell it to me, so. Yeah, it's like uh, you know, uh, Southern Fried Ocean's Eleven. Yeah. And depending on how sensitive you are about depictions of people from the South, you might find this offensive. <laughs> Interesting. Because uh, I know somebody that did. <laughs> uh, watched Last last Action Hero. 
all the way through for the first time. Okay. I, I liked it the one time I saw it. I liked it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's on Roku channel. <laughs> I would like sponsorship. I Apparently. Um, uh, I liked it. Use code Christine. Woo! I don't think this fits my criteria in any way, shape, or form, but it was still fun to watch. That's okay. It's very, um, what's the thing? Self-aware, obviously. Yes. Oh, definitely. And I think it still works. So I liked that. Um, made the mistake of trying to watch the first National Treasure movie. <laughs> I saw you tweet about this. I've never seen it these is movies. Awful. Eek. So that's it for me. I'm I'm, I'm <laughs> You're tapping out. Closing on National Treasure. I thought it would be more like the Mummy. Yeah, I remember when that. I guess that came out like right after Da Vinci Code, right? Where it seemed like ooh, Probably. historical action movie. And I remember thinking, oh, that's a good idea. I like history. Maybe that'll be fun. And then it just, I was like, oh, I don't think it's really history. No, it, it's not. Which it would be fine. But Zach made a really good point when we were watching it. Like, how fun? How much more fun would this be if like the protagonists were like young, like young Nerds. adults or like elder teenagers, mm. not 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 Nick Cage. Nick Cage. Yeah. That makes it's sense. weird. It's not. I look. If people like it and want to rep for it, that's great. But I don't get it. And mm. maybe, maybe it's because I have no nostalgia for it. But like, they're so mean to Diane Kruger's character in it. Mm. Like, they're basically telling her to shut up the whole time. <laughs> that's nice. After they kidnap her, it's oh. really weird. Good times. That's a no from me. Okay. And the um, last thing I have is uh, a movie with an F cinema score. <laughs> That makes me lose all faith. Oh, I know what you're going to say, and, and I, I can't believe it's an F-Cinema score. Um, so this is The Turning. I figured. Directed by, look, and if I'm saying her name wrong, I've been saying it wrong since the 90s, so I get a pass. Floria Sigismondi. What else did um, she direct? She's directed episodes of The Handmaid's Tale, but okay. I know her from directing um, Marilyn Manson videos in the Interesting. 90s. okay. She's, she was a music video director. Okay, I, I know who you mean still- now. I remember her at the Emmys, I think. She still might be a music video director, but she, like, directed all my favorite videos when okay. I was obsessed in the 90s. And, like, of course, when she's, when I see her name pop up in Handmaid's Tale, I throw my phone across the room and start screaming <laughs> and not realize that she's, like, actively working yeah. in, in other media. And so, like, I, I've been excited about this movie for a while. Mm-hmm. I loved this movie. Really? Um, it was beautiful. And well constructed, it was well paced and well made. The performances were all amazing. It was filmed beautifully, and I have—I'm really struggling to talk about it and not come across like an asshole. <laughs> Just because you're so bewildered for why it's getting such a poor reception. Everything I say makes me sound like I'm calling people who didn't like it stupid, mm. and that's not what I'm doing. I am genuinely confounded. Yeah. Because it's, this is, I mean, it's Turn of the Screw. It's the same story as The Innocence, right? Yep. Okay. And There's I mean, so many adaptations. There I, I are, yeah. Until I was scrolling through. I feel like I've seen the trailer a lot, mm-hmm. in part because if I'm going to see a movie, I'm probably going to see a horror movie, so this would be one they'd show. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, it's a January horror release, which isn't always a bad thing. I mean, that's kind of when you drop a lot of horror movies because it's the right time to do it. People, you don't have competition. You have people that just want to go to the movies that will give a movie like this a chance. Um, It's, it's interesting. I mean, I haven't seen it, so I can't speak to it, but it does seem interesting for how 
DOA it seemed to be. Mm-hmm. I would like to talk to you about it. Okay. Because, and I'll tell you why. I Not because I assume that you're going to like it mm-hmm. and that we can commiserate about it, but because if you don't like it, I feel like you're going to be able to explain it to me in a way that I, I got understand. It. Yep. Um, um, I don't know I, that I'll get to see it in the theater, but as soon as I do see it, it we'll cover it. I don't understand. Yeah. And it's so frustrating to me because, like... I, I don't I don't know like what I feel like and this is again no one listen, no one's no one's listening to this <laughs> I feel like if this movie had fil- had um, screened at Fantastic Fest mm. everybody would be lining up to tell you how good it is and how how they're so lucky that they got to see it mm. before it got distribution potentially years before everybody else it feels like that it, and it's one of those movies, I bet, that, like, if it was streaming, it would be on that list of best movies streaming on Netflix that you haven't heard of. Yeah. But it hey, just, give movies it, have a give weird... Give it a watch. You might like it. Yeah, yeah. like, it, there's this weird, like, pile of criteria that we expect now from theatrical releases that... Thank you! Yes! Yeah. That's what it is. And it's strange. It's very strange. It felt a lot... Did you, uh, speaking of uh, movies being released in the theaters, so did you see I Am the Pretty Thing that was in the house? I still haven't. No, it's been on my Netflix queue forever. It feels very much like that. Okay. So that's directed by Oz Oz Perkins, who's who's Gretel and Hansel, which comes out this Mm -hmm. weekend. Yep. Um, Two of my most anticipated movies of the year, like right next to each other. I'm really, I, I think people seem to think that this movie is good. Which is good. I want people to think it's good. But it makes me sad that they think this other movie is bad. <laughs> I get it. Yeah, I I look forward to seeing it. I will try to see it as soon as possible. And I will pay for it, of course. Um, yeah, it's... I don't know. It is it is a weird thing because it, these horror, original horror movies keep bombing, right? And this has been happening yeah. all year. And every time it happens, like, you know, the internet bemoans and gets all whiny about it. But at the same time, I I don't know what value it is now to have a movie come out in a theater like that. Exactly. I think I feel like I it it makes me sad. Yeah. Like I would have rather it have ended up a Netflix original and like people talking about like how how, how awesome good it, it is was. as opposed yeah. to oh yeah well we can't really make. Um, you know, gothic horror movies directed by women because they bomb in the theaters and we lose so much money on them. Like exactly, it, there's it, a narrative that comes along with that. Totally, Just like, yeah. I, I, I'm not to not to go on for too long, but like the movie that I think released in fall, late fall or early winter of last year, uh, "Don't Let Go." The I think it was a Blumhouse oh, movie. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, remember you talking about this one? Yep. Sci-fi. I feel like they did the same thing to that. Yes. I feel like that that got didn't get a fair shake i don't think this is gonna get a fair shake and i'm not saying that people that don't like i would like somebody to tell me why they didn't like the turning and not just that the the ending sucked because when somebody told me that i said well what about the ending sucked and they said i didn't understand it well that doesn't mean the ending sucked please explain it to me yes yes please okay talk about your list i'll show you fascinating i could could literally talk about it for a hundred years well i feel like that's a subject that can go on for a million years because I think it is such a fascinating time not just for movies but for genre movies in particular of 
do we really care if they come out in theaters anymore? I have a million reasons why I don't like going to the movie theater. Money isn't even the first one. There's all these other factors I, that keep me from actively saying, well, I'll get a movie pass, or yeah, I would go see every York, original horror film. Going to see a movie is like a date it's, it's, event. Yeah. It, completely. It is so expensive. It takes you... I mean, yeah. I'm not close to any of them. The nearest movie theater to me is a half hour away. And yes, I live in Manhattan. And so you have to get there early. Yep. You Then you get there. So you've that's like an extra hour of time now. It costs a lot of money. It's usually a pretty dirty theater. The food's not going to be that great. If Unless I'm going to the Alamo where I have to pay to take a taxi to it, mm-hmm. I'm going to have people talking around me. Like, they're dirty. I'm going to... Like, it's... New York City theaters are known for bed bugs. Like, there's all yep. this stuff about why it sucks to go to the movies. And at the same time, it yes, there are some movies that, sure, it is important to see a Star Wars movie on the big screen. But I'm getting more and more used to... I have a big TV. I'm getting more and more used to being okay with watching big movies at home yeah. with my cat on my lap and with my seltzer next to me and I don't have to pay $10 to get another one. Like, So, I don't know. I, I guess... And the other part to it is it's not just that movies cost money to make, it's that they cost money to market. So, if, you, if you're a studio and you can bankroll 10 small horror films for Netflix or you can bankroll three for theatrical international distribution I think I'd rather have the ten that are streaming yes yeah I think that that's where I think that's yes like we need to be okay with that I know and I I I have very complex feelings about it I bet you do but like I don't know. I, I feel like this movie got set up to fail. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess that's what it boils down to. And if it had been an Amazon Prime movie or like, yep. like so I, I feel like maybe it wouldn't have left me feeling this way. I walked out of this movie it, and that movie ended and I thought, did I write that movie? So, wow. yes, I took it very sure. personally when people are like, I hated it. And yeah. then I'm like, oh, there's no that's... fucking hope for me. <laughs> I get I'm it. damned because this was a very competently made, beautiful movie. <laughs> it's a movie I would have written. No, I get like, it. I get it. Oh no! So <laughs> oh, I can't. I can't wait to talk to you about it. Okay. Okay. I will try to see it soon. Um, okay. Um, my list is quite diverse. <clears throat> Let's start with some. The first film I watched of 2020, and again, I also try to think very hard about what kind of a year I'm going to have, and. <clears throat> I pulled up my DVR where I, I DVR a lot of stuff and I eventually get to it. And this was something I DVR'd, I think, two years ago. And it was a Lifetime original, which well, this would not be the first time that I decidedly made my first film of the year a Lifetime original. Mm-hmm. But um, so I'm not usually a big true ca- crime person or like based on rip from the headline story. But this one I recorded um, because I like movies about killer children. <laughs> And this was called Terror in the Woods. And this is about the Slenderman case, which, again, is something that, like, I don't need to see. But I decided to watch this. And then I'm watching the credits. I'm like, wait, what? And this fits criteria, too, because you know who wrote this movie? Ooh. Um, I'm going to say her name. Every time I say her name, I get her confused with Pretty Little Liars. Um, Is it Amber? Yeah, Amber Benson. Tara from I, Buffy. Uh, Amber Benson, Ashley Benson. Ashley Benson, Amber Benson. Thing. I always do the same. I always do that. So Amber Benson, who was Tara on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, 
was the screenwriter for this movie. Fuck you, really? Yeah. You DVR'd this, you said. I did DVR'd it. It's a lifetime so movie. I might... Oh, damn but it. you're gonna have to work to find it. it. Um, yeah. And it is about the, you know, the case of the two girls who stabbed one of their friends. Um, but this is actually good. It's another case of look. Lifetime has a few different modes of storytelling, and sometimes it's just blatant. Um, what, what's the word? crap that knows it's crap and sometimes it's okay we're working within parameters of a lifetime movie but we're going to make the best movie we can and it might just be on lifetime and i feel like that that's what this movie is like the two young girls are really good and they're first time actresses and they're fantastic the movie is very much about like it, it's not kind of sensationalizing anything it really is clearly about one of these girls who it probably suffers from schizophrenia. It's a family thing. You meet her family and you see it's there. Um, you know, both both girls come from like loving but kind of dysfunctional families. And the most interesting about it is that it lets the girls like talk to each other. So it becomes very much the story of this is, you know, and it's one of, also one of my favorite subjects, the kind of the dangers of teenage female friendship, which mm-hmm. I think is fascinating because I do. But, yes, me I too. Mean, you and I lived through it. And yes, those, when you're a teenage girl, your friendships are weird and loaded and dangerous and very important, but also very hurtful. And this movie gets that. And it it really, like, unfold like you're kind of dreading the moment that's coming and it handles it really well it's really not um it it doesn't feel salacious it doesn't feel the way i i often feel uncomfortable watching true crime and i didn't feel uncomfortable watching this because i felt like it was taking the story and kind of really exploring it from here's maybe why it happened let's think of these as people that went through this so weirdly a very high recommend not one i would expect I am fascinated by that story. Yeah. But like you, it can, I don't want to, I don't want to wallow in it for like salacious reasons. It's just a fascinating dynamic to me because you don't often see stuff like that. with No, With, you know. With it being teenage girls. Girls, yeah. Most most violent crime is not committed by females. gender yeah but like that's really what it is so like i'm i really want to watch this now yeah yeah keep an eye i mean maybe it shows up somewhere i, I don't sometimes these movies get to netflix a lot of lifetime movies do end up there so keep mm-hmm. an eye out um i did a rewatch because i'm also one that doesn't do many rewatches but i was traveling for work and i had like i kept having like nights where i had like an hour i'm like eh, i'm gonna put something on and not pay too much attention to it but like let me have it on the background and my hotel had like an amazon prime connection and then I, then I ended up like not doing what I wanted to do, which was put something on in the background because it's really hard to put Midsummer on in the background and not watch <gasps> it. So did you you just watch the the it, not the dir- not the director's cut because that's director's not cut. on Amazon. I rewatched the film, the theatrical cut, and man, I I liked it a lot when I saw it. I loved it on rewatch. <gasps> I really want to rewatch yeah, it because should. I keep having weird like disconnected feelings about it like Mm. someone will say like oh did you love it and i'll be like no but then like i think about it Mm -hmm. a lot like (laughs) i i kept pausing it like whenever the they would they have when they have those like um not murals what are they tapestries like i would pause it because i'm like oh my god the whole movie's there oh there it is oh that's that oh there's a pubic hair oh this um i found watching it on second time part of it is i think 
when you when you know where it's going, obviously you're looking for certain things. Yes. And I and on second watch, I'm like, look, I know, and I'm not going to spoil anything. I know mileage varies on how people feel about a character's fate. And on this watch, from the very first scene, I'm like, that fucker deserves everything that's going to happen to him or her. Like, I, I felt very much, because I think, it, and I kind of felt this way about Hereditary, where when you watch it again and you can say, like, oh, this is a movie about fate and other people deciding, you know, what your life is, you, it's very clear. Mm-hmm. And watching Midsummer and thinking of it, this is a movie about empathy and how important it is to be loved and to have people understand how you feel and to care about you. Um, and and to then watch it and observe, oh, and here's a character who's incapable of that. It just, it like, it's unlocked and it all makes perfect sense. Yeah. Hmm. All right. I am going to rewatch, I'm going to watch it again. Okay. I have Do to it. see if I can find the, I, I really want to see like the director's cut. Me too. Yeah, I still do. But I mean, I, it's one of those, like, in a way, it's probably going to be more rewatchable than Hereditary, which is just a hard one to put on the, in the background. Yeah. Whereas this one's so pretty. Um, okay. On the plane, I had a couple of plane movies, one of which was a movie I think you were a fan of, and I really enjoyed, uh, Hus- the, the, the Hustlers. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah, I liked it a lot. Um, J-Lo should have, should, should win an Oscar that she wasn't nominated for. She's so good. Um... I loved that this was a movie that was purely about women that did not need men where you didn't even have to have token male characters to like drive anything through. It didn't have to villainize the men. It Mm -hmm. didn't have to make them so over the top and abusive. Like, no, no, no. Like this is who cares about them. This is a story about how these women worked around a system and made it work for them for a while. And I found that fascinating. Mm -hmm. It's very interesting. I liked it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I watched another movie on a plane that is nominated for a whole bunch of Oscars and apparently has a really good shot of winning Best Picture. And um, boy, did I hate it. What? Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. yeah. I haven't watched it. I, watching it, I'm like, okay, I'm not really feeling it. I'm like, how how much longer is this? An hour and a half? I still have an hour and a half left of this fucking movie. And it ended, and I'm like, huh, okay, that was that. And then the more I thought about it, the more distance I had from it, because um, I have a friend who I had said to her, like, oh, I finally watched this, and we'll talk about it when I talk to you next. She's like, what'd you think? And I was like, eh. And then by the time I called her, like, a week later, I'm like, I fucking hated that movie. <laughs> um, yeah, know thyself. I said to me, me, you don't want to You don't. Do that. You do not. Here's the thing. I was watching it. I'm thinking to my head, like, if this didn't have Quentin Tarantino's name on it, if, like, this was a movie directed by Ryan Johnson, and it was this movie, would people ha- have given it 10 Oscar nominations? Like, it's... It, I always it, have to assume the answer to that is no. It, in this case, absolutely no. Yeah. It is so... It, it, like, look, I know I complain about a movie's length. It's not... Look, no good movie is too long right no, no i agree yeah. like a movie is can be a midsummer is not too long for me it is the same length if not maybe a little shorter than this fucking turd this movie just it is so quentin tarantino indulgent it's him masturbating mm. all over women's feet um it, it and the, the worst thing aside from it 
to me, not being very entertaining in any way, shape, or form, is that ultimately, in this, I don't know, mild spoiler, I guess, it's, in the end, it's about how these, how fantastic these two mediocre dipshit white men are. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the mor- the moral. The moral is, oh, if only the Mansons had uh, gone to the house of John Wayne and his stuntman, then maybe this wouldn't have happened. And what? Like, that's what... I, I, I don't know. Please, I'm sure there are people that love it. If, if you want to help me see the light, give it a try. I, it's not going to happen. Um, I, I really hated it. I, I really... There Are there good things in it? Sure. Are there good performances? Yeah, here and there. Are there some good sequences? Yeah, sure. When Brad Pitt goes to the Manson Ranch, that's interesting. But is this a quality movie? To me, fuck no. So... Yeah, people really, really like it. And it's one that I think, and if anybody says to me, like, oh, I love that movie, what'd you think? I think I'm just going to be like, hey, what's that over there? And walk away, because I don't want to fight about it. Yeah. This is going to be one where, for me to start explaining why I hated it, I just am going to come across like a really angry feminist, I think. And I don't care, but I don't want to have those arguments. I, I keep seeing it like come up in like online conversations and I'm like I'm just I'm never going to step into that I'm going to stay out of those because there's no way it's not going to end with somebody calling me a snowflake or something like... Um, I get that and that's how I feel talking about those movies his movies in general as well Yeah. did you ever like him or any of his movies um i really like inglorious bastards i think it's really yeah. fun i think it's entertaining i think it moves well i like jackie brown a lot um i was never a, I, I mean honestly i can't even remember if i've seen the rest of his movies aside from pulp fiction like in reservoir dogs it he was never look when i was what 14 or 12 and pulp fiction came out I probably said I loved it because it was cool to say you loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, by the time I was like 14, I was able to say, yeah, I don't I don't really understand the big deal. Like, it's cool, but I don't know. Is it that cool? And I don't know. I think there's – he can make occasionally very entertaining films. Mm-hmm. I think there's things he does – and, I mean, Jackie Brown's a great example of that. What he does with Robert Forster and Pam Greer is great. Um but uh, yeah. yeah, is he a god of filmmaking? God no. No, I've I turned a real corner. Yeah. Um, and that that involved a lot of self examination sure. and about how because you used uh, to be a pretty big fan of his, right? Well, Inglorious Bastards and Death Proof. Um, okay. Really, Inglorious Bastards, yep. and I haven't watched it since mm-hmm. I, I've made this turn. But as much as he as he features women. I think you have to take a step back and look oh, yeah. at the way in which oh completely and it is usually um, pure male gaze. Yeah, it's really it's really violent mm-hmm. and against women and, and it's oh it's, yeah don't watch once upon a, once upon a time in Hollywood. Yeah, so there's a very very intelligent gentleman I follow on Twitter who um, is actually like a film studies teacher, and he and I talked about it at length. And, and he made some really great points that helped me work through like this weird conflict I had mm. about it where I had to come to terms with the fact that I like I, I had been duped mm. I had been I had kind of been fooled into thinking like that these were empowering when yeah. in actuality they weren't and that made me feel a little dumb 
And mm. like I had to come to terms with like how that made me feel. <laughs> that's deep. That's, I get it, but that's deep. And that's, that's why I haven't watched Inglorious Bastards again because I have so much fondness for it and I repped it hard for a long yeah. time. And like I don't want to I don't want to I that level of self-examination I don't know if I'm ready for. I get it. Yeah. But like, to me I, that's still I, the one that I think Yeah. I, I still really like. I just think it, it's I think it's fun and I think it's overindulgent but it's it works because it's just it moves, I guess. And I think the women and I mean you have two women in that movie and I think they're handled they're not treated the way he usually does women um yes but also in but also what happens to mm. diane kruger yeah if we mention her again she'll show up sure. diane kruger's <laughs> character um is awful yeah and it's true he wrote he wrote that he chose for that to happen oh, completely yeah. and even like how how that's Trish... filmed is also very deliberate and, and I understand, and I like. I actually, again, struggling, struggle with the fact that I like how effectively it's filmed. Sure. Like I enjoy how evocative and how visceral it is, but I don't enjoy that that she got pushed past her limits, and I don't enjoy that that was all you thought that character was mm-hmm. good for. Sure. Because she has stuff to do, but in the end, like she's that's still how she dies. Like, yeah. That's still what you chose to do with her, and even Shoshana is just like. I I question that character's agency. You think that she has a lot of agency, but it is really just in service of a larger plot. So sure. does she? Yeah, it's fair. I don't know. It's a whole thing. I don't. Yeah. We, we're not. Ta- we're not talking about Glorious Bastards. <laughs> this is the Glorious Bastards podcast. Yeah, I think it's fair, fair to say we probably probably will never do a Tarantino movie on the show. Yeah, nah, I think we're good. But I'm certainly never going to watch Once Upon a Time again. Um, I I think this solidifies it. I don't think I'm ever going to watch it. You, honestly, I don't think you should. I think you would be incredibly angry at it and just grossed out. Yeah. Um, I remember actually hearing an interview with, I think it was with Guinevere Turner, because her and Mary Harron made another film about the Manson women. I don't know if it ever came out. I think it was supposed to go to Netflix. And I remember listening to an interview with her talking about it. And she was like, yeah, so we know, yep, Tarantino is making a movie also about this. She's like, yeah, mm-hmm. but in ours, we, you know, we look at them as people and we don't just kill them and hope people cheer. <laughs> like. Yeah, I mean, no. there it is, right? Yeah, exactly. So after Once Upon a Time, I still had like two hours on the plane, and I needed to <laughs> cleanse my palate. This, this plane trip, 12 hours? <laughs> well, Hustlers was on the way back. Um, but so I did. I'm like, I had time. I'm like, okay, let me watch something. I'm like, I need something that I'm going to like. I need something that's going to be entertaining, that's going to move better. And I'm looking through it, and I'm like, oh, I think I remember Christine really liking this movie. And uh-huh. now that I say it, I think this is another one of those movies that was a pure case of maybe it didn't have to come out in theaters for people to watch it. And this was Crawl. I like Crawl. I so thought you did. Much. I thought you did. And that is why I watched it. And did you like it? I did. Yeah, it's a it's a trapped in a house with alligators movie. What's not to like? I don't know. It's really like effective. It is. It's it's well done. It's it, it does something really smart, which is its characters are smart and resourceful. So they're not making stupid decisions. They're, you know, your main character is a swimmer, so she's athletic. She's, you know, she knows what she's doing. She's not doing anything stupid. The chances she's taking are to save a dog and her dad. Um, it has a really cute dog in it. And again, I did have that terror because I'm 
on a plane, so I couldn't go to doesthedogdie.com to check things. Um, so again, I have a when I watch a movie like that, I just accept that the dog is going to die. I won't say whether if, the dog does or not. If memory serves, they were very um, transparent about the dog not being used that way. Oh, like completely. It, yeah. Like, and, there was no, like, like, oh, no, we have to go back to save the yeah. dog and put ourselves like, at risk. It, like, And even, like, in interviews and stuff. Yeah. It I, was not, it was not play, like, it, 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 I think they were like, oh, no, the dog's going to be fine. Don't right. Worry. Yeah, yeah. And Which is the, nice because it's not, like, used as, like, Yep. a gimmick to bu- get our concern or like, it's really you're, you're right because like the first half of the movie they're underground the dog is up, is up so like you hear the dog yeah. barking you're like okay the dog's gonna be okay yeah. so yeah no but this was fun it was just a fun movie that would be a good like i don't know let me get some beers and watch crawl like yeah yeah um another very wet movie that i watched Woo. right so <laughs> this was so here's the thing okay so obviously i don't always have great taste in movies and yeah. I know. Look, when you're somebody like my husband, who has different, what do you call them, standards when it comes to movies. Yes. And, you know, you're used to your wife saying things like, oh, if you want to marry me, you have to watch Maximum Overdrive. Like, you know, you start to not trust your wife. So mm-hmm. I felt like I needed to get some trust back. So I said, you know, I recorded a movie off of TCM that is really good and you've never seen it and I think you would absolutely love it because it is just a well done movie and it's history and all that and it is Master and Commander the Far Side of the World alright have you ever seen it? no it's so good um, really? this was Peter Weir's film from 2003 I think it had a weird life because a huge budget it's I mean it's a historical action drama more drama than action filmed like at sea very expensive when it came out um it was supposed to be like a franchise starter it was russell crowe and paul bettany and it came out in the theaters and it bombed terribly but then it got Mm. like 10 oscar nominations and everybody started watching it they're like oh this is actually really good why didn't we see this in the theaters and it's just a really good movie it's um very historical you can see that they put a lot of attention and detail into getting things right I, I am a big, like, explorer fan, so I, as much as I'm not always a, like, male history movie person, I like mm-hmm. anything set on a boat, because I just find that time period interesting, and it's just good. It's really funny. Um, it's written so well. It, it It's this, ultimately, the story of, you know, a scientist and, an, and a general and their friendship and how that informs things and life on this boat. It's just, it, it really is a great movie. I don't know that it's for you. It's, I mean, it again, I'm describing a movie that seems like one that you would never just sit down and decide to watch. But it really is a good movie. And I was able to earn some points back from my husband. So now next time I say like, no, trust me, this is a really good movie. Maybe he'll believe me. And Look, I can believe that sometimes you like good movies. It, it happens here and there, you know? Um, let's see. Okay, moving on. We finished up the second round of Star Trek movies with Star Trek Insurrection and Star Trek Nemesis. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked both. I think, you know, the both of these don't get much love from fans. Yeah. Um, and probably because they come after, what is it, First Contact. And First Contact is the best Star Trek movie ever. It's so good. Um, so Insurrection comes after it, and it's definitely a step down. It's lighter. It feels almost like an ep- It feels very much like an episode. Like, it just it's not that grand in the scheme of things. Mm-hmm. But it's really fun. And it has fun. It lets the, by this point, I think 
like they knew the characters so well that they really were all about letting the characters have fun um picard gets a romance with donna murphy so it's sexy uh and then after that we watched nemesis which is the last one and i think people hate it because it shouldn't have been the last one like it's not a good way to end the franchise but it's not bad this is the one with a young young very young tom hardy yes okay i do i do know which one you're talking about um people hate it i kind of liked it it's pretty dark uh it it goes some places that i didn't see it going um again as the final movie it's frustrating because like it doesn't the way generate not generations um first contact one of the great things it does is that all the characters have something to do so it feels like oh good like you're you know like dr crusher has stuff to do like and in nemesis it really is just a picard story with a little bit of like troy and Riker, and that's it um and data i guess um but so i mean i'm glad i watched all of them we finished that cycle uh, okay a few more um my new favorite movie of all time oh no movie, what i don't remember how i heard of it but it was on my netflix i got a netflix disc for it i'm like oh i don't remember this movie let me watch it i put the dvd in dvd doesn't work so i send the dvd back and i'm like do i even want to bother getting another dvd of it let me try it boy am i glad i did this is a movie called poison for the fairies okay 1984 mexican film directed by a guy whose name i can't remember carlos lambada Trebaro, something like that um it is very clearly an influence on Guillermo del Toro, even more so. And I'm kind of wish I would watched this movie like two months ago, because I guarantee um, uh, Issa Lopez saw this movie, because it feels very, very um, influential on Tigers Are Not Afraid. Interesting. It is about these two young girls in Mexico in the 60s. One of them is very rich. The other one is kind of poor but her like she's being raised by um her like the nat like her i think like the maid to her nanny and the maid to her nanny like always talks about witches so this little girl is obsessed with witches and wants to be a witch and so she starts trying to convince this new rich girl that she is a witch she's like oh yeah i can put a spell on people like tell me who you want a spell on i'll put a spell on them and the girl starts to really believe her because of certain things that line up and so then the witch girl just starts kind of using it to her advantage so she's like oh give me your toy or i'll put a spell on you give me your puppy or i'll put a spell on you (laughs) and it's so good it's filmed in this way where you never see the adults the adults are in there's adults in the movie but you only see like the back of their heads or you hear their voices like or it's filmed at their knees like kind of like muppet babies um and it's like it's a really cool touch because the whole thing is clearly from the kid's point of view mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it goes so dark and has such a great ending and i can't give it away obviously but it is i'm like oh is it is it gonna go oh it went there it is so good i loved this it is i got the disc i don't know where else you can see it probably at your video store um yeah i was thinking that might have to be a rental i've since seen it come up like because i started i'm like how have i never heard of this movie and i've seen it come up on like best mexican horror films or like best horror films you've never heard of like it's not really i'm saying it's a horror film it's really not like I can't say any more things get, get, are get given away, but it's a dark film. It's so good. I loved it so much. I want everybody to watch it. Um, on Amazon Prime, decided to watch 1994's Ticks. 
oh, which fun. is about mutated steroid filled ticks starring right there. starring a young Seth Green with uh oh my god there's like so many random people that show up Amy Dolenz and um Clint Howard is is the reason for the ticks um it's this movie's kind of adorable because it's clear it's like the last whisper the last like death knell before CGI because if this movie had come out like a year or two later it would have been really really bad CGI but instead it's practical effects and they're gooey and gross and kind of fun glorious yes um switching gears I finally watched I think um a movie that had long been on my list and I think you're a fan of Barbarella oh yeah I do it's weird and I like it it's very weird I enjoyed it um I, I was surprised because at a certain point I got bored and it's weird because yeah. that movie is so zany. It's so wacky. There's so much crazy things going on. And at a certain, maybe it was just the time I was watching it, but at a certain point I'm like, I don't feel like it's going to do anything that's going to surprise me anymore. Like it's just, I'm kind of over the, the wackiness. Yeah. No, I think I, I feel like I felt that way mm. as well. I okay. don't think, I think it's, it's a escalation. Yes, I think, and then part of it is it starts too big. Yeah. Like, the crazy doll scene, which I was so looking forward to, like, that's the second scene in the movie. Yeah, it doesn't give itself anywhere to go. It doesn't. No, 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 absolutely. Uh, a movie that you recommended I watched <gasps> on Amazon Prime. This was um, Florence Pugh and Maisie Williams' The Falling. Oh, my God, that's my recommend. Oh. I'm so glad you watched it. I did. I I'm so glad I saw that it was there and I flipped out and I was like, well, now I know what my recommend is. Tell me what you thought. I really like, it's funny too, as I say that, I'm like, this would actually make a great double bill with Poison for the Fairies. Because they're they're doing similar things. It's very much this like, something is happening and it's almost like, like, it's more the power of just being a teenage girl girl that you can't contain type thing oh you're gonna love the turning oh i need to see it i, I forgot you or you for a minute and i got scared <laughs> but then i was like oh no no don't you she's worry. her she'll, she'll mm-hmm. love it i really like it i want to watch it again and it was one of those things where i should have it should have been a watch like it should have been a lights off stop stuff yeah. watch and i didn't do it that way i like watched it but then i was like oh let me take care of some emails and stuff and so and it kind of like i i kept like losing kind of getting lost in it a little bit um just because it, it it's a it's a strange film i i dug it a lot we, i did dig it i kept trying to figure it out and yeah. i and i think that watching it like and just like kind of letting it happen mm-hmm. with more of an understanding of what it was going to do would benefit it because yeah i kept trying to game it and i think that kept I kept having to set expectations and then change them and then set like mm-hmm. it, it, I was doing too much work I get it yeah and that's why I think it's one that I'm like I just I think I just need to watch it again in a few months I think it'll all it'll fall into place better yeah um another one that I think you're a fan of um Tully with Charlize Theron <gasps> I love it so much it's really and good. speaking of the turning yeah yeah Mackenzie Davis <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Um. You did you like it? I did. I, I didn't know. Not like oh, I didn't know the twist. Like I really didn't know anything about it. I knew it was yeah. about. I knew Charlize Theron was in it. I and I knew it was about a nanny. And I was like, oh, is Charlize Theron the hot nanny? And then I'm like, oh, she is not. Um. Oh my God, Charlize Theron is so good. She's so good. <laughs> so good. And this was this was really good. Um. It 
and it's one of those movies that I like look I'm not a mom I'm not going to be a mom I don't necessarily like me on an emotional level like I, I almost feel like okay this I can really understand this movie but I get it like I'm not going to really really understand it yeah. but I do like it's it's really good and really effective at nailing something and doing a thing that can be really hard because it's such a literal yeah thing and such a literal trick to do and I feel like it's very I watched this movie and if I had read the concept I would have said to myself you know when I was in college and I was writing plays I would have written that play and it would have been terrible but I would have thought it was really good because the concept <laughs> is so like you know, like, you know what I mean like the concept is something like you think of like a concept you're like yeah that, that that'll work it's like no, no no but there's you have to do it right and this is done so well I really yeah, really liked yeah. it uh, all right, Hellraiser Bloodline finally hit number four. Oh, good! I'm glad you're still. In I forgot space. you were doing that. Well, so Brandon's done. He's like, okay, I'm, he watched. He only wanted to watch the ones that were released theatrically. So there right. you go. That's where the theatrical argument comes down. I mean, to snobs fair. like my husband. <laughs> and again, this is one that um, this is the this is the really ambitious Hellraiser. This is the one that starts in the 18th century. <laughs> And then goes to the 1990s, and then goes to the future in space. So that's the Adam Scott one. Mm-hmm. That's the Adam okay. Scott one, and he's in it, and he's having fun. Um, I again, I'm, I'm never gonna not appreciate a a horror sequel long in the series that gets ambitious, that goes for it, uh, and this one does. It's it it clearly, I think wanted to do more and then I think they cut a lot or didn't film a lot mm-hmm. so it actually moves pretty well it, it rushes things like it could have slowed down and, and taken more time but it doesn't it just goes and then you're in space and there's Pinhead so I mean for me it's a recommend that is weird, that little helmet with all those pins on his head you know you'd be surprised I don't know if you know this but like Hellraiser demons apparently can breathe in space you know or at least on spaceships I'm- checks out yeah it does so again i liked it <laughs> don't take that as any like anybody out there no. that's like i really liked it maybe i will no you probably won't i don't have good taste <laughs> i've seen the adam scott parts okay <laughs> he's, he's again he gets he gets to have some fun like i got what i needed from it yes yes i mean that's the best part by far okay just three more on hulu i watched little monsters with uh lupita nyonga oh yeah I like this. I didn't... Did you see it? No, not yet. Okay. I The first couple minutes, I'm like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to like this, because I thought this was about Lupita Nyong'o, and instead it's about this really douchey white Australian guy. Um, but it actually, like, if you're thinking, if you're like me and you're watching it, you're like, oh, I don't know, stick with it, because it does get better, especially when she shows up, because she is luminous and wonderful. And what they do with his character also ends up working far better than I thought it would. Um, it's it, it's cute. It's very and I, what I like too is that it kind of because I'm watching it. And I'm like at a certain point I said to myself, I'm like you know I don't like I don't want to see these kids get turned into zombies. Like I don't know that I want that. Like I can watch a good killer kid movie or kill kids by killer kids movies on any mm-hmm. day, but I'm like felt I'm like with this one I'm like it but they're the tone they're going for I, I don't want to see these kids die and 
like not really a spoiler but quickly you realize like oh no no no, they're not cannon fodder like i'm not gonna have to sit there and watch a bunch of kids get eaten by zombies and so it ends up being very cute while still having like gruesome zombie stuff so that's nice yeah and again lupita nyong'o can do anything yeah, like she's great. She she can do everything. Like she can do comedy. She can be dangerous. She can be sexy. She can be a kindergarten teacher. Like she can do anything. I'm I'm in awe of her. Um. Okay. Just two more. One is a documentary. Um. That I again a disc from Netflix. That was a PBS oh. documentary called The Powder and the Glory, which is about the rivalry, the business rivalry between Elizabeth Arden and Helena Rubinstein. Okay. So two of the makeup mavens who both started out around the same time in the 1920s. Um, and if anybody is familiar with the Broadway musical War Paint with Patti Lapone, it is, it's the same story. It was all based on the same material. And it really is an interesting, it's a good documentary. It's PBS, so it's not like, you know, it's not trying to, it's just trying to teach you about these women. It's not trying to be cute or fancy or anything. Yeah. yeah. And they really were two fascinating women who were business owners and CEOs in an era where that was not common in an industry that they really did help to build. Um, cosmetics was not a household thing at their time, and they really were drivers in changing that. Uh, and just the way they were very different women, they never actually met in person, but they, like how they're, the two of, they, they absolutely felt each other were as as their main competition. And they clearly respected the other, but also would never have said that out loud kind of thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So like, if one made a certain cream, the other one would make the same cream, market it differently. And just this bitter battle of just two powerful women is, is kind of cool. So if anybody, if that sounds interesting, then, you know, again, it's a PBS documentary. It could be on Amazon because a lot of those end up there, but uh, mm-hmm. worth watching. And then last is a TV series that I, of course, watched season one of, and that would be spinning out on Netflix. Oh, haven't watched it still. I thought you were going to watch it, because it stars your girlfriend. I know, I haven't watched it. I would like to watch it. We've been been sticking with TV, so eventually I'll have to get... That might get... Okay. For those who don't know, spinning out is a Netflix drama. It was a uh, ten episode season one. I don't know how people would know this. <laughs> well, it's, well, right, because obviously it's Netflix, so it's something new. So for a week, they throw it in your face every day. Um, if you're like me and you're watching the Nationals figure skating over the weekend, then you see it advertised at every break. Uh, it is a figure skating show about a young woman who has bipolar disorder and also suffers from like nerves and all this stuff. And she's a single uh, figure skater and she gets hurt. So then she switches to pairs and it's all that drama. It is everything I wanted in a show about figure skating. The um, best thing too is that it, and I'm hoping this continues in season two, there's all these characters who are like, so the younger sister from the Hunger Games mm-hmm, plays mm-hmm. the younger sister in this movie. And it's like the same kind of character. And January Jones, you know, Betty Draper from Mad Men, is also the mother in this show and like it's the same thing it's like she's a terrible mother just like betty draper so i like the idea that it's just going to always be about actors playing more intense versions of past roles they've played i i you're really selling it i do want to watch it yeah um it's it it's fun i enjoyed it but i like figure skating so i don't know if any normal person that doesn't figure skating yeah i like the cutting edge yes yes and this is yeah give it a go give it a go Okay. Um, and everybody's very pretty. 
like it's upsetting how pretty everybody is. Yeah, yeah. they did the the Trixie Katya watching. <gasps> that's thing. right. Oh, that's so great. So I saw a lot of clips, and I mean, it seems like a wild show. It it gets pretty wild. It does. Yeah. Uh, so that's everything I've been watching. So with that note, Christine, what was the movie we were going to cover again? Wait a second. What was it? I don't know. I don't um, know. Maybe I wrote it down on a post-it. Let me see. Oh, I'm going to hell. So it's, the thing is, too, the title is not words that want to flow out of my mouth <laughs> normally. So yeah. I have to pause and think about it every time. I get it. Away from her? Away from her? From her? Uh, all right. I think that yes you got it so let's take a quick break and we're going to come back and again we're writing this down so we should we should be okay to talk about away from her why don't you sing us a song forgetful yeah that one you always sing you know it forgetful yeah no, i don't sure no. you do boss it goes like this Yeah, 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 but what's the name of that song? Um, da -de -da -de -dum, da -de -da right, but uh, what's the name of that song? It goes, uh, yeah, something, something, cows, or is it birds? Um, oh, I wish I remembered the words. Ooh. Yeah, but what's the name of that song? I'd like to sing right along You see, I've heard it said With words and music A fella can't go wrong But, um What's the name of that song? Oh, our main attraction Away From Her Written and directed by Sarah Polly Based on a short story by Alice Munro uh, The short story is called The Bear Came Over the Mountain do you think you would remember this movie more if that was the title? Yes. Hmm. Interesting with, theory. With, without a shadow of a doubt. <laughs> um, the short story you can actually read online. It is, if you just Google it, it shows up. It's on The New Yorker. Um, and I, I did read it. And it was fascinating. So, like, to me, short stories are the best like some of the best screenplays and best films are made from short stories because I think they give you the exact amount of material to work with Look, in some I cases. Wish, why don't you teach a screenwriting class and mention that to everyone? <laughs> like, I don't know how you do it, but I, I mean, the way in this case where the story, it's fairly, sh it's, I mean, I don't know how many pages it is because it's hard to tell the way it's, it's done online, but let's say it's like 30 pages tops it somehow this movie ends up really taking everything for, somehow there is more in those 30 pages than there is in the movie like it's actually very faithful to that material but then even leaves out some of the details there and ends up being this absolutely to me spoiler alert beautiful um perfectly put together you know 100 minute film mhm mm i i there's a a movie called I think it's Predestination with uh, oh, yeah. Ethan Hawke Ethan Hawke and okay. Sarah Snook I think I could have just made that up but if, if I'm talking about the movie I think I'm talking about it's also based on a short story and it, so I think I think you're right I think when you try to adapt then you run into a, a Hunger Games Deathly Hallows mm, issue yeah. you have so much content you're, you're splicing you're rushing just to keep stuff in there 
you're making two movies yep. or you're, you know, you've cut a whole side story. And I like to think that when most competent writers write something, they write everything that needs to be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you're cutting stuff out, even if it doesn't necessarily impact the main plot, y- you are potentially undercutting themes mm-hmm. or through lines, just different stuff. So I, when you have something that is maybe, I don't know, a hundred thousand words, not a hundred thousand words, um, <laughs> like f- 40,000 words instead of a hundred thousand words. And you're trying to make it into something. Maybe it fits better. It, it does. Cause I think it's <laughs> the essence is right there in front of you. Yeah. And so then I, any character detail, it's, it's so minimal and again, like for the most part, it's like there are a lot of verbatim passages and, and conversations, but there's just little things like, and one thing, I mean, we'll, we'll go through the plot a little bit in a minute, but for, question for you, um, again, we're going to spoil this movie. It's, it's not like, you know, this doesn't have a crazy twist. Like it's, it's, it's a movie about Alzheimer's, but still we are going to go into full detail on it. So if you haven't seen it, then watch the movie first and come back. But I do have a question I want to ask you right off the bat. Yes. When we find out in the movie that um, Grant has, you know, has been unfaithful to his wife Mm -hmm. in the past, what did you think of the nature of that infidelity? Did you think it was one time with one person? Did you think it was a long-term affair with one woman? Did you think it was multiple affairs? Curious from the film, what was your impression of it? I never thought one time with one person. Mm -hmm. I thought either multiple times or um, a serious, like, mm. like actual affair-style yeah. relationship. Okay. Cause Probably in, that one. Probably leaning more towards that a one. A serious one. Yeah. Okay. Because in the... To me, I thought it was... I didn't think... It, I didn't know if it was one time, but I thought it was clearly, like, one woman that... Like, it was a student, and it was this thing that really hurt her. And I didn't think it was... I didn't think he was, like, sleeping around. I thought it was, like, this one case that she, that she found out about that was that... And the story, it's like, that's a big part of the story. Like, he had multiple affairs, and one was a long-term, mm. and she almost left her husband for him, and all this. And it's and to me, it's interesting that, that Sarah Polly chooses not to go into detail there. Like, it's just a little a little taste of, like, yes, we know this, and that's that's it. We don't have to go through all of the details of it. Even though that material was there for her to work with, she chose not to. Um, so let's give give everybody a taste of, of the movie. What happens in it? Um. So it is about a older married couple mm-hmm. um, living their lives. I guess living through retirement, mm-hmm. going about their business, and then our our. Our female protagonist, uh, Fiona, Fiona, played by Julie Christie, goddess, um, finds uh, finds out she has Alzheimer's, and then it's the fallout from that. Uh, it's uh, not a lot happens, but a lot happens. A lot happens, yeah. Well, so when yeah. she finds out, she and in the I mean, for a, again, for a movie that's very much about just kind of a relationship, it moves pretty well like Mm -hmm. i mean the alzheimer's is kind of established in the first scene and it very quickly gets worse and she essentially says to her husband she's like i you can't take care of me i need i can't do this to you 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 can't be responsible for me i need to go somewhere and i think it's very important because it is her choice he doesn't want her to um there you know but he goes out and he comes home and she's like lost wandering the streets and 
you almost wonder, because throughout the film, it kind of keeps coming up of how much is she in control? And did she even do that just to make him see, I, you need to send me somewhere? Mm-hmm. Um, once she gets sent somewhere, she, she goes to a home and the policy at the home is for the first 30 days. They don't want family visiting because it really confuses the patients. So for 30 days, he doesn't visit. When he comes and sees her, she doesn't seem to remember him. And she has established this very close relationship with another patient there, with a male patient named Aubrey. And it's, for him, he at first is very hurt by it. The nurses kind of say, like, look, people do this. Sometimes it's just a, you know, it's a mechanism. It, it really doesn't mean anything. But he starts to suspect, and this is when we kind of figure out that he's had affairs, is she doing this to pay me back? And at, at a certain point, Aubrey has to leave the home because his wife can't afford it. So she brings him home. Fiona kind of gets very rapidly declines and has to get moved to like the second wing of the Alzheimer's um, facility. And he and he has to figure out how to bring her back, how to cheer her up and makes a very big decision of bringing Aubrey back to her that this might be the thing that has upset her so much. Maybe she needs this man, not him. Um, it is fucking heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, and there's the one mystery you have in the movie is this constant question of is she, how gone is Fiona? And did you, what did you think? Did you see her as faking anything do you think it no, was okay. i didn't i didn't even entertain that mm-hmm. as an option is it is that addressed in the in the story um it was well, the same idea where it's really from his point of view okay which this okay. movie is too and it's interesting it's um so when it came out it got two oscar nominations it got a screenplay nomination for sarah polly and julie christie got a nomination for best actress and she was kind of the focus of the awards for this movie and it's funny because really it's she's almost a supporting part to this movie it really is gordon pincent's pincent pinchant um he it is his point of view we're i may be wrong about this but i feel like almost every scene is actually him he's in or it's he's seeing it because it's very much what he's trying to figure out we don't really see her without him we mm-hmm. we see him watching her where where you know they're not together but we never really you know we don't see her let her guard down or, or see her close a door and smile or not because it it really is what he's going through not so much what she's going through in a way mm-hmm. yeah i that that would be a cruel thing to do and mm-hmm. i have no reason to believe that that that's a cruel character yeah no i, I agree and i think also it's more his own guilt and his own feelings on this that kind of manifest that way Mm -hmm. and also i like i struggled with um hating him Mm. and and i feel like um that's something that somebody worthy of my hate would do which would be uh to create narratives to make yourself be the victim yes it's Um, all about me yeah that but this movie this this movie doesn't always like i think it's very fair mm-hmm. i i you do 
at times get very frustrated, or at least I did get very frustrated with him. And but it pulls it back. Like yeah. you're still like, this is a person that's hurting, and maybe I don't like the way he's handling it. But like I get it. Yeah, because it's it's a really tough situation to be in, mm-hmm. and it's also I think such a coping mechanism of. It, in a way, for him, is it better if his wife forgets who he is and falls out of love with him and falls in love with another man? Or is it, like, that? that's probably, like, the hardest thing that can happen to somebody as opposed to my wife is, is ill and is suffering from Alzheimer's, but she's also trying to pay me back and she's also aware of what she's doing. Mm. Then it's that's less sad and it's one of those if you could choose to be sad or you could choose to be angry which would you choose to be it's easier to be angry Mm -hmm. right so it's easier to focus on that thing of "Mm," you know I I bet it I bet she's she's playing me because how much harder is it to face that my wife has forgotten who I am and and Mm -hmm. the life we've built together yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that maybe a different movie would have pushed that more, mm-hmm. and and left more up to the imagination. <laughs> but I feel like we have no real evidence to support that, and I feel like in the end, the character that we are aligned with yeah. doesn't really think that. No, I think that that last scene, which, um, God damn it, I cried watching this movie. Um, that last scene where where he has really decided to do something kind to her. He he really is he has swallowed his pride and he has said, Okay, you don't need me right now. You need Aubrey. Here is Aubrey. And when he brings him to her and first kind of talks to her and, and there is just this beautiful moment where she she sees him again and she knows who he is and it's mm-hmm. you know it's not gonna last. But the cat it actually it's it, it's a um reminded me of the kind of camera thing Sarah Polly does in Take This Waltz when she has her characters kind of fall in love in the beginning. It's like this very, like, you know, circular spin around them shot that's kind of very, mm-hmm. not almost gimmicky for a movie that uses very few gimmicks, but it works because you're so caught up in that moment. And, you know, you look at you and you could see it in her. Like, I understand, even though I think in a way this isn't Julie Christie's movie almost. I, I totally would have also nominated her for Best Actress because the way what what both of them do with their eyes in this movie is incredible. Mm-hmm. Like y- you can look at her and understand if she's if she's remembering if she's not. Um, and in that last scene, it really like you you see it you see the recognition in her face at this key moment. And my God, is it heartbreaking? Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Um. So what do I have to do to age like Julie Christie? Oh my god. I think the I've... whole movie. Her <sighs> hair is so beautiful. Yeah. She looks so stunning this whole movie. Yeah. Like it it it's gross how hot she is. Mm-hmm. She's just so beautiful. Yeah. Um and and she and what I also like too, this this is it's funny. Like there's some really funny things between these two characters like they've been married for 44 years and they joke with each other and like it's especially in the very beginning um 
when, you know, like, they're just kind of, she starts joking with him about the Alzheimer's, right? He's like, okay, well, are you ready to go to that place? She's like, what place? Where? Like, yeah, I <laughs> like it's really funny um, when they when they are in, like, a waiting room and they're walking by. <laughs> she has, like, a baby crying and she looks at him and she's like, ugly baby. <laughs> like, it's a great line. Yeah. Um, I think it's also very interesting that um, in terms of like who these characters are kind of a key part of them is that they don't have kids that it's just the two of them and and that made it very relatable well it did well it did and I thought the same because like again you and I who don't have kids at this point we're probably in the minority for married women in our in our 30s Mm -hmm. and Mo- it's so many movies about stuff like this. I understand they're going to be made about mothers or there's there's going to be that aspect to it. And it's actually really nice for me to, like, I identified so much more with this couple because I look and I say, like, well, yeah, because in 30 years when my husband and I are at that point, like, yes, we have family, we have friends, but it is going to just be the two of us. Mm-hmm. And that does make a difference. And when you start to to think of what it means for Grant, um, that's really heavy. Yeah, because, like, this effectively leaves him alone. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um. It made me also. I was I was telling you earlier that I uh, the for the dramatic purposes. I thought one of my cats was dying a few weeks ago. He he was fairly old and he was um, getting very sick. And I, you know, and for a few days it was one of those when you've when you've had a pet that just gets old very quickly, and suddenly it's like a different pet. <laughs> it's like a different creature. It's they don't seem to recognize you. They don't do the things that like I, you know, normally I walk home and my cat runs and greets me at the door and he's not doing that. And it's that strange thing. And I was thinking about that while watching this movie because it made me think of that thing that 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 can happen where somebody gets to the end of their life. And I've had it with grandparents where, you know, a grandparent reaches that age where they just kind of turn off and it's like they're not the same person that you loved your whole life. Mm-hmm. And it's a strange thing because then their last, you know, what you're left with and the thing you remember at the end is so different from all the memories you have before then. And how do you, like, it, it's almost like, you know, like we're saying when you stop a movie before it ends because you hate the ending. So you just decide, ah, it's not going to end that way. It's going to end this way. And that idea of it happening with anybody when they get old and you having to care for them or see them and loving them through that part where they don't love you anymore, I guess, Mm -hmm. is, uh, it's heavy. And she was like 27 when she made this movie. Oh, really? I guess I didn't do the Sarah Polly was born in 1979. Yeah. So she was... Motherfucker. She was 27 years old when she made this movie. I'm I mean... 38. And I, and I don't have the same heavy sense of, of life and discipline that she has. It's really... It's really, really well done. Like I said, I'm predisposed to hate 
a beady old, beady-eyed old dude that <laughs> is being selfish. Even when like, with, like after, in their sweaters, I, like all their sweaters, you just want to hug. I really, I fought against hating him just because that's just my natural state. And um, she really brings it around. Like there were a couple points where I, where I was like exclaiming at the television, mm-hmm. like um, stop being so selfish. Sure. You should be happy that she at least has a friend. Yes. You know, this is hard for her too. Mm-hmm. Like, like, but like, again, I realized that part of that was just the the story unfolding, and part of it was my my predisposition. But it's always handled very balanced, and and nobody does anything particularly villainous. And like, it's just like a real human story that doesn't hold any thing back it doesn't pull yeah. any punches like it it's very honest and sometimes it's kind of ugly yes but, it, but it's not like mean-spirited or or unrealistic in no, any way and, no and i appreciate it and it was obviously very well acted and and interesting but it was compelling the whole way yeah. through yeah and it was i mean again for a, a movie that is this very quiet soft character based you know i was riveted i was not bored i was not yeah. you know checking my phone or doing anything like no i was just watching this movie um it I mean it used you know she makes good use of it's it's shot in canada of course because it's sarah polly and she's as canadian as you can as you can canada um and it, so it is a really good looking film it's shot like it's in winter but not like you know frigid winter and you know, you don't, you have a little bit of this kind of very idyllic cabin and some landscape, but then so much of it is in this, like, ugly, yep. fluorescent lit assisted living facility. And it's, like, it's it's not done in a way where, like, you know, I, I feel like another filmmaker might have gone, like, dark shadows and, you know, done mm-hmm. it that way. But, like, no, it's, you know, the tablecloths are this ugly color pink and the furniture is mismatches and, you know, the people there, nobody's that pretty in this facility. And, like, and it, like, takes a certain amount of discipline to, to do that, to make something look um, not all out ugly, but unattractive in that way that life is unattractive I guess yeah. Um, yeah. I noticed it right away in the first scene like or one of the first scenes when they're doing dishes like the frying pan that he's drying is like all scorched and I'm like I know that frying pan because <laughs> that's what my it's pan, lived like, in yeah throughout my entire life that's what things have looked like so yeah, yeah you you notice it right away yep it, t- it tells you what it is right away yeah um, we should talk about the Olympia Dukakis character. Oh, yes. So, Libby Dukakis, um, you know, another goddess, uh, who is the wife of Aubrey. And uh, Grant goes to see her because he, again, thinks, I need to bring this guy back to my wife because otherwise she's going to die or going to just slip off the edge. And he goes to meet with her, and it's this, again, like, I just, I, I love a movie that has people that we don't usually get to hear have conversations together have conversations mm-hmm. right so you have these two you know i guess they're both supposed to be like in their what late 60s and she's lived a very different life from him and he's a college professor and you know she's there saying i had to take him out of there because i can't afford it i have a kid who doesn't visit me um yeah I, I spend my days taking care of my husband now and and then eventually um they 
kind of have a relationship and it's it's one of those it's like it it's somehow what i liked about it was it was kind of this idea of it's not not just about this you know one relationship other but like this idea that like we need other people we need something from other people and so for fiona she needs aubrey he doesn't do he seems catatonic he doesn't talk to her but she needs to take care of him that's what she needs she needs to do something and 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 you know have responsibility and have an effect on someone and she and for her that means taking care of this man who she has decided is is essentially her new husband and for Olympia Dukakis it's this you know when when this man comes into her life it's I, I need you I need a body I need somebody to listen to me I you know and, and it makes perfect sense and they mm-hmm. you know they, they sleep with each other and it feels right and 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 funny and warm and I, I don't know it, it just it like it it's really touching in its own kind of odd way I yeah I think that the the exploration of of what it means to love someone and what it means to be in a relationship is is very interesting because you don't really we we get in media oftentimes a very cut and dry look at, at what that is mm-hmm. and, and usually it is a a, a hetero pairing yep. where people just age. kind of yeah 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 and you you kind of kind of just accept that you're going to be together things are either great or the whole mm-hmm. thrust is that things aren't great like but I, I like the the embracing of like different dynamics yes and and understanding that loving somebody else doesn't mean you love somebody less mm-hmm. yeah and like this whole things change you can't fight things changing and maybe you should just be okay with what they might change into yeah there's a there I guess there's like a resignedness to this movie that isn't depressing. Mm. Like it it's not about giving into like a like a an illness that could erase who you are. It's like about embracing the the change that that brings. Yeah. I don't know. I, it it was very sad, but I did not find it hopeless in the least. No, I didn't find it hopeless. I mean, I found it very touching. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I welled up a few times watching it. And then at the end of the movie, as soon as the credits started rolling, like, I, I was in tears. Like, I think Brandon walked in from wherever he was as it, the credits were rolling. And he just, like, walked over to me and, like, looked at my face. I'm like, uh-huh, yeah, it was good. It was good. Um, and it wasn't, it, it wasn't like, you know, to ju- to figure out, like, oh, what was I crying over? It wasn't, like, this great romance, con- like, that's thwarted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It really was just this humanness of of love and how that can kind of like you're saying carry over in different ways Mm -hmm. and yes fundamentally this is a tragic story about a couple who are going to drift away from each other because of in this case biology but it's not oh it's not a tragedy of this it's also this wonderful story of their love um yeah it it actually reminded me quite a bit and it's in some in some specifics but also just in terms of tone um of the sweet hereafter which have you ever seen Mm -mm, no i've had it on like the long list of movies we should cover at some point it's uh adam egoian eogan i never know how to say his name canadian director who you know very respected all of that and sweet hereafter was probably his most successful film i think he was nominated for best director for it and sarah polly is in it very it was her breakout role 
and it is also based based on a novel and it is incredibly emotional and upsetting and about a tragedy that affects you know kind of a town of people but one of the things it it all has a very similar landscape it has a it even has a device of um sorry the cops are out to get me again Uh pass if we're quiet then they won't find me okay good uh one of the things that sort of not like a device but um in away from her you have a couple of scenes of grant kind of befriends the head nurse at the facility so there's a couple of scenes of sort of that seem like narration but it's really him talking to her and her explaining to him as where you get some of those like gap fill-ins of some of the things that happened and sweetheart after has that too it's ian holm on a plane and he happens to be sitting next to this young woman who we knew from years ago and he's telling her his story so just there were so many like little parallels to it that made me Think, I mean, both of them are great movies, I think, and they kind of work as a pairing. But and again, both being fundamental, fundamentally about, you know, what we need and give to each other, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, that's it. Mm-hmm. These are heavy things. These are very heavy things. I know you're a big fan of Take This Waltz. I love it. One mm-hmm. of my favorite movies. Yeah, I like it a lot. I think for you, it's it's. I know it's like up there in your big list. Mm-hmm. I want to rewatch it. This made me want to rewatch it because I I was curious to talk to you about that because I think again like there are two completely different ends of a spectrum. I take this waltz is about a young couple in their what late twenties, early thirties who sort of decide then to end their relationship. This is a you know almost that couple but if they'd stayed married some years later mm-hmm. and it it's interest it's so interesting to me to see because both of these movies are written and directed by her and stories we tell is her her other film which is her sort of fake documentary that's also about a um you know a, a couple where one of them strays and all of this and i just think it's a really interesting it's not like, oh, she, she's interesting in affairs. Like, no, no, it's not that. But she's clearly very interested and very good at exploring imperfect relationships. Yes. And I, I, and I appreciate that because there, people tend to approach relationships in a very black and white way. Sure. Um, and I don't think that that's necessarily always the best way to approach them Mm -hmm. there things in life are not black and white no so to think that you can boil down a relationship to good and bad or like it's reductive yeah and the fact that like she takes time to explore that because they can take this waltz the relationship deteriorates and and somebody strays but there's there's like this realistic view of it and like there's of course people got hurt but like they're no one's like showing up to somebody's house and throwing a brick mm-hmm. through the window or sure. it's just like it, things changed and now we have to deal with the fact that they've changed mm-hmm. and still realize that we both have lives to live like right. i don't know it just seems like such a simple idea but it's something that we don't really see explored in media and i really do think that 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 um informs the way people view relationships and breakups and infidelities yeah well it's very you know we see them as so black and white and i remember being like a teenager and being in my even in my 20s and thinking oh if a man ever cheated on me that would be it i would never stay with a guy who cheats on me and i look at that now and i'm like if if my husband were to come in and tell me he had an affair like would i be angry sure would it be hurt yeah 
but when you're when you've lived and you've lived a relationship you like realize it, like how silly it is that that would ever be that there that there could be anything in a relationship that would be an immediate we're done we're not done like mm-hmm. because any relationship is so much more complex than that and if my husband walked in and said i'm sorry i have to tell you i killed your mother even then there'd be this moment of okay let, let's process this because i i can't think of anything in the world that would be an automatic oh well now that means we're not the perfect couple anymore because there's yeah. no such thing <laughs> like and and that's that's the thing there's that 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 over reductive element of it like th- this thinking that so did you ever love this person or did you ever trust this person right. or oh you had an affair so that meant the relationship was never real like yeah. no so do you were you just always waiting for them to do something or fuck up or mm-hmm. do something you didn't like so you could be like ah now nah, I'm done yep like it, it, it's always struck me as very odd yes so I, I appreciate it being kind of like she could make a hundred more movies like that. And Agreed. I, and I wouldn't get tired of it because it's not something we see. No, and she does it so well. <laughs> like, I would never think, gee, what's a movie I want to see? Yeah, I want to see a movie about a, you know, couple, a retirement age couple dealing with Alzheimer's and infidelity. Like, no, on paper, that does not sound like my type of movie. But this is fantastic. And mm-hmm. I probably will watch it again at some point in life. Yeah, I'm glad that you... I wouldn't have picked it, probably. Yeah. But I'm glad that you forced it on me. Well, you know, I I sometimes am good at uh, holding people down and forcing their eyeballs open to watch movies. What can I say? Well, thank you. Yeah. All right. Well, do you have much more to say about... What was the title again? Oh, right. Oh, Oh, stop it. (laughs) It just gets so easy. I'm sorry. I don't think I do. I did like it a lot. I... Um, rented it from Amazon for I think like two ninety nine or three ninety nine, so it, it's there. Mm-hmm. So watch it if if you're inclined. It is good and and um, well done yep. and sad, but not like racking desperate sobs where your life will never be the same. Sad. Exactly. I mean, unless you've dealt with this personally, and then True. maybe it is unwatchable. Yes, that that is or a maybe very good point. provide some catharsis. I don't know. It might, yeah. Um, gosh, I, again, my, my heart goes out to anybody who has dealt with it. I, I live in fear of that happening. Um, it, and I think like, one thing I'll say about this movie is it almost like helps you kind of, and again, this is a very uninformed opinion, but I watch this and I think to myself, right, if it ever happens, I just need to remember that it's not like, this is a biological thing. Take nothing personally. You know, if my husband falls for Julie Christie in that assisted, facility, assisted living facility, I can't be jealous. It's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Yep, yep. All right. Um, yes, hearty recommend for me. Yes. Now, do you have a... Now, you, I think I spoiled your streaming recommendation, didn't I? Yes, my streaming recommend was The Falling on uh, Amazon Prime, right? Amazon mm-hmm. Prime? Yep. I second guess myself um you should watch that you should because we we both liked it yep. and now it's there um but then i guess my secondary will be um i really liked the witcher it was great i got like i, I kind of had it on in the background and i it seemed like it was going to be fun 
I watched it obsessively and obsessed over every little element and was very pleased. I felt like I was uh, rewarded. Okay, that's good to know. I do need to watch. I, I should finish it. Yeah, I'll finish yeah, it. it. It was great. And I was talking to I was talking online today about like the the end is simultaneously um, infuriating and satisfying because it's like please please don't end. <laughs> I think they did say a season two, right? They've already announced yeah, that. Yeah, but like in 2021 or okay. something. Okay. All right, so I'll take my time watching it. <laughs> yeah. No rush. Perfect. Um, I am going to go with a Hulu streaming recommend. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, I feel like we've, you know, we're talking about like Alzheimer's. And I mean, like, come on, let's get serious here and talk about something, you know, fun for the whole family. Uh, so that would be Jennifer Kent's The Nightingale. Okay, uh, haven't haven't watched it. Been thinking about watching it, but uh, it's, what say you? <laughs> it's really good. Um, this is so Jennifer Kent did The Babadook. Yep. This is her second film. Um, it is set in I think it's supposed to be I guess eighteen hundreds Australia. Um, beautifully shot. It tells a you know, light-hearted tale of adventure in the... No, this is a very dark film. Yeah. So it's about a young woman who is a, um, I guess, a convict in Australia, and she... Terrible things happen to her. Terrible things happen to her family. They are done by Sam Claff... Sam Claflin? Is that his name? Um, from... From Hunger Games? Games? Finnick. Yep. Yeah, yeah. who's okay, good. Yes, we're speaking the same language. <laughs> you and I know, yes. Our fa- he's our favorite Hunger Games... Part yes. of Hunger Games. Um, and he's great. He is evil in this, but he is great. Ooh, like um, she must uh, get some vengeance. She enlists the aid of a an Aborigine who um, has his own feelings about white people in Australia. It is bloody. It is uncompromising. It is incredibly... Not, I, like, realistic is a weird word to use, but realistic in this, you know in the people aren't great shots and it's not like it's it doesn't feel like it's cinematic but it doesn't feel like it is done to look good or anything like that it is hard to watch i don't Mm -hmm. like it's not like a hey i don't know what do you want to do tonight like yeah super bowl or uh nightingales what's nightingale like no probably not um but it is really good It, it is so angry as a movie um it just it really does feel like it is like a reckoning of of history and of terrible things white men did and here's a way to 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 kind of harness that um it's really good it's really dark i recommend it well i will watch it i i i am looking forward yep. to watching be in the right right space for it but yeah uh all right so do you have any thoughts on what to cover next or are you gonna make I... me uh force something upon you again I honestly don't have anything that springs to mind. We can we can talk about it, though. We'll think about it. Okay. Uh, in the meantime, folks, if you have thoughts on any of the things we talked about, please come talk to us on Twitter at Feminine Podcast or join our Facebook group. And uh, I think that's everything I got. You got anything more? That's all I got. All right. Well, um, we're going to put on our, our big cross-country skis and shuffle on out. Good night. Go- goodbye.